For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team, and remember to use promo code BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, the game starts here. Welcome to the Broad Street Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gilbert. And joining me today is my co-host, Joe DiMarini. What a week of Flyers hockey we've had. Four wins in a row now coming out of the All-Star break. How are we feeling, Joe? Oh, baby. Uh, like I just said before we started recording, if the uh, Flyers win on Thursday against the Leafs, they will have gone five straight wins, five straight losses, and then five straight wins again, which, as you pointed out, is the most Flyers thing imaginable. Yeah, I mean the the toilet seat just keep going, keeps going back back up and down and, and up and down, and even even you know, Morgan Frost has been up and down. So they're, the Flyers are just following right along with that. Man, I think they've ripped the toilet seat off and like thrown it like a game of horseshoes. They're just trying to like come up with a new way to use it. Yeah, I mean Morgan Frost came up came through huge uh, on Monday night with that penalty shot goal. Penalty penalty shots in person are just just absolutely electric. I mean, that was oh yeah, you Scott, were there. Got you were there one against Dallas. I was there for the frost one last night. They're great. I mean, they're they're obviously great when they when they score. I, I can imagine them not scoring is uh, pretty deflating. But yeah, getting getting those goals, especially penalty shot goals. Especially, I thought I thought you know Owen Tippett may have may have earned himself a penalty shot there in the first period when they got the power play. But and you know some teams don't like the penalty shot because they have a good power play. But the Flyers will happily take the penalty shot over the over their putrid power play. Oh, that is Morgan Frost's time to shine. Like. I'm surprised. They said on the broadcast he's one for six, I think, in shootout attempts, and I'm stunned by that. I feel like he's like that is where his skill is meant to shine. Yeah, I mean, shootouts. It looked like the Flyers were getting to the point where they might become a good shootout team, and they might even still. I mean, Sam Erson's been great in net for them. They have all these young, talented players. They have um, Michkov obviously coming over in a few years. That was I remember back thinking in in November, thinking like, oh, they're gonna have going to have have Gautier in a few years. They're gonna be okay with, with the shootout, but you know, they'll, they'll be just fine without without Cutter Cutter Gautier there. Um, yeah, who William? <laughs> who's that? Who's William uh, Gautier? Yeah, we got, we got four straight wins for the Flyers here out of the break. Went down to Florida. Uh, you know, I I didn't throw that on the sheet here, but the Florida game was truly the first period was very Oof. Eagles of the Flyers. It was very okay. Oof. Come out. They suck. The season's over. This is who they really are. They lost five in a row. This is going to be six. They're going to have to trade everybody now. But no, Tortorella must have given it to him pretty good. 
in that intermission that came out second, third period. And Sam Erson is showing that he can be that number one goalie. Yeah, he he saved them that game. That first period was the Sam Erson show, and he just, oh, they are so lucky. <laughs> they got so lucky because Florida, I think they're leading the league in shots per game, shots on goal per game. And by the end of that, they they just took back control. I love to see it. Yeah, I mean, there would have been there would have been no shame in losing to Florida coming out of the break. I mean, the Florida were was huge favorites in that game. Florida oh, yeah. is one of my top picks to potentially make the Stanley Cup final out of the East after going there last year. So, like, there wouldn't have been anything bad about losing to the Panthers. But if if they kept up that effort that they had in the first period, it definitely definitely would have been bad. There's also the uh, you know the former Flyer aspect of it with uh, Stoli the goalie <laughs> being in net for that game. So. Uh, after that first period, it felt like, oh, of course, Stolarz is going to get a shutout against the Flyers. <laughs> Just makes sense. Yeah, that, that was after the the few games before the break when Alex Lyon got the shutout. Just seems like the Flyers, just their their old backup goalies are coming back back to haunt them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then you know that was a week ago, so we'll get more into the more recent games. Uh, Thursday came back home. Great first period against the Jets. Travis Konechny, Gordy Howe, hat trick in the first period. I oh, love the fight. I love the, just the fight from him. I, I I don't know if there was something that boiled over from their game in Winnipeg with Neil Pionk, but like Konechny, there was no hesitation at all. Just just dropping the gloves. Oh, he was pissed. He was <laughs> he was an angry man that game. Um. And he won that fight too. Like, oh yeah, it wasn't even close. Yeah, he 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 won it. He stood over him. He, he was he was talking his shit as he does as as Pianc there was, was laying on the ground. So that was great to see. Obviously, great to see the goal and the assist there as well. And you know, a great first period. They, they were up what three three nothing, and then Ryan Paling shorthanded just monster right now. Scored a shorty early in the second, but. You know, John Tortorella was not happy with that win, and the players weren't happy with it. And I, I watched Tortorella's post game was all very direct, short. You know, no, I don't know what I liked. We won. That's what I liked, and that was it. They asked Connectney like, what was his favorite part of the Gordie Howe hat trick or of the game? He was like, you know, just a win. You know, as long as we came out of here with a win. Flyers only had eight shots in the second and the third period, and like once again, that was that was a Sam Erston show. Again, the, the Jets are a good team. They don't necessarily have too many sharpshooters, but like. Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor, uh, Nikolai Ehlers, they have they have these guys that can contribute, and the Flyers were able to hold them off the board. You know, I was hoping he'd get a shutout, but they did, did get one uh, one late there on him. Yeah, I mean, let's be real here. It took, like, what, 115 minutes for the Winnipeg Jets to score a single goal against Sam Erson or something? And I think the Flyers shut out the Jets last season, too, or something crazy like that. Like, the Jets just apparently... They freeze up when they play the Flyers. Yeah, I mean the Jets are are, are definitely a low scoring team. I, I did not realize they, they shut him out last year. Too that that's an interesting interesting stat. I, I think that's what it was. I'll, don't take me at my word for that. But I saw something on Twitter that was like the Jets just can't seem to score goals against the Flyers. Um, uh, let me. See. Yeah, no, the Flyers got a and they're they lost five three at home and then beat them four nothing in Winnipeg. So yeah, there you almost, go. Almost three straight shutouts for the Flyers. <laughs> that's incredible. Against the Jets there. Yeah. Um, no, the the TK Gordy Howe is even more impressive when you consider that he spent five minutes in the box and oh, still got yeah. the goal and the assist to to complete it in a single period. Um, yeah, he spent at least five minutes in the box. Like like the, the the there were there were not a lot of whistles in that period. He was still sitting in the box and just waiting for a stoppage to get out of there. 
Yeah, so that you know that was a that was a, a win. Always always good to get get two points there, uh, especially against a team like the Jets when you know not necessarily <clears throat> expecting it. Um, and then Saturday, you know, Dave Hackstall coming back to town. <laughs> Cal Peterson, Cal Peterson getting the start in net. I was uh, not too excited to see that, but you know, you gotta get you gotta get the the backup in at some point. The Kraken are probably one of the easier teams the Flyers are going to play during this stretch. You know, maybe the Coyotes who they, who they beat last night were. An easier opponent, but Cal Peterson looked the part. He he looked fine against the Kraken. Like the Flyers seemed to play well in front of him. So like, yeah, it was a uh, that was probably more a closer game than it should have been than I would like to have been. But it came ultimately came through with the three uh, two win. Yeah, I mean, I can understand why they put Peterson in. That was the Kraken's first game coming out of the bye week. They hadn't mm-hmm. played in ten days, so I think Torts was banking on them being kind of sluggish out the gate and he was right they they looked just slow to begin with um and we also have to kind of remember that cal peterson was once the heir apparent to jonathan quick for the los angeles kings like he looked like he was going to be a very good starting goalie not that many years ago so there is still that player somewhere in cal peterson i'm not opposed to throwing him out there every once in a while because even if he has been bad more recently, there is a bit of a track record there that shows he can be very good. Yeah, and like he's only had, I mean, he's only had four outings in the NHL this season, so like there's not a lot to go off of, but he's yeah. only had one bad outing. That was the, his first start against the Kings. 5 nothing mm-hmm. loss. It was a back-to-back for the Flyers, though, Again, and that was back when the Kings were like one of the best teams in the league, so like that wasn't <laughs> too bad. You weren't expecting much out of him. And he goes, he started the next week in L.A., but he allowed two goals on 37 shots and a win. Played well in relief against Boston, allowed two goals on 14 shots. And then here against Seattle, two goals on 19 shots. So in his past three outings, he, his save percentage is up, up at 914 in, in 160 minutes there. So, like, Kyle Peterson can be a backup. The Flyers, you know, get him in there two or three times a month. Get him in there, you know. And, and I think I like, I, I know it's a kind of a cliche that players play harder in front of their backup goalie and whatnot. But I understand it. It's like this guy's around the team. You want to make sure he feels like he's a part of the team. He expected to be in the NHL most of the season, I imagine. He's been in the AHL. Now he's back up. It's like this guy's, this guy's around us. This guy's going to contribute. Let's make sure he feels like a big part of the team. Let's, let's go out there, get a win for him, and you know, kind, kind of get this rolling. Yeah. I His numbers in the AHL have not been good either, which makes it all the more striking that he's posting a 9-14 uh, here in the NHL. Um, but it also, acquiring Peterson from the Kings also just shows, it continues to show what a good trade that was for the Flyers. I, Sean Walker has found money. If Cal Peterson turns into an overpaid but competent backup, you know, that's even more found money. Best case scenario, uh, I think he's only got one year left on his contract. Next year is his last year. Um, let me double check that. Uh, yeah, next year's his last yeah. season. Maybe at the deadline, you've got a you've got another asset to uh to to trade with. Yeah, I mean, I I just we've been discussing that trade. That that trade is is just a masterclass by, by Danny Breer. Got rid of Proveroff, got back you know Cal Peterson, who can be an overpaid backup or overpaid AHL goalie. Sure, Sean Walker, someone they're going to get you know at least a second round pick for. Sure, get a first round pick. Hells Grimes could be could be somebody. Uh, we'll, we'll see if he ever comes up. A second round pick from the Kings, a first round pick to get Bonk, 
another second round pick to, to from from Columbus there. So like that was really a, a great job by Briere, his his real first big move with the Flyers, and that that definitely set the table for for his uh, the rest of his his summer. Yeah, I, I think that was his first move period outside of some like uh, contract cleanup just to like sign a couple of guys to their ELCs. Um, no, it's it's awesome. Yeah, and like even if Sean Walker wasn't as good as he was, like we were happy with the trade at the time. Like getting getting two second round picks and a first for Provorov, like yeah, but yeah, we're all over that. And now they're just yeah. gonna parlay that into more. Yeah, that Coyotes game just reiterated to me. Like, who's the GM of the Kings? Rob Blake, right? I think he's yes. the yeah. yeah. I don't see how he has a job next summer because not only did we get to see Sean Walker playing pretty good hockey for the Flyers. Sean Dursey, the other Sean, mm. who the Coyotes acquired for, I think, just a second-round pick during the offseason, has been dynamite in Arizona. So the Kings traded two very good defensemen for nothing to sign P.L. Dubois. It's not looking good so far for them. Yeah, we were actually on my on my other podcast, the Hockey Gaming Podcast. We were discussing, you know, Rob Blake is going to have have a long tenure here in in LA, or is he going to like be done soon? And yeah, that was a bad trade. I mean, he did get out of the Cal Peterson contract, but he also signed him to that contract. Yep. The PLD trade looks awful. Velarde and Iafalo are both playing well. Winnipeg and PLD is like the the, the jester of, of hockey Twitter. Seems on a weekly basis, he has a horrible shift. So you know, they have had a, a Decently quick rebuild here with with Kopitar and Dowdy still still being relevant while they're trying to be in contention. But yeah, their goaltending situation is bad with with Talbot breaking down and David mm-hmm. trying to chop now. They signed him, so yeah. I mean, Rob Blake definitely in LA th- th- these past few off seasons has haven't been great for him. Nope, but it worked out great for the Flyers. Yeah, um, yeah. After I mean, the Kings were the, one of the Flyers' main trading partners uh, over a decade decade ago with with Mike Richards, of course, and then Jeff Carter yeah. going there from Columbus. So hopefully, this is the Flyers getting a little bit of payback for that and getting getting Walker and, and these these first round picks. Yeah, I, I you bring that trade up, the Walker and or sorry, the uh, Richards and Carter trades, and I remember after the Provorov deal went down, someone tweeted uh, a picture of the logos of. LA, Columbus, and the Flyers with the caption, trade with any other team challenge impossible. Because they just, <laughs> those three teams always seem to be involved with each other. So many. You got, oh, uh, and last night, the, the Jake Voracek came action trade. I, I loved seeing Voracek there at the game last night. I wasn't sure if he'd be there. You know, he is technically part of the Coyotes now. He's on their yep. IR with concussion issues, but seeing him there, seeing him with his nice hat on, giving a wave, mm-hmm. didn't, it, it looked like he almost didn't know what type of reception he would get. And then like the crowd went wild for him. He could put like a little, he made like a little heart with his hands and put it up on, on this, on the, on the screen. So mm-hmm. good to, good to see Jake back. I'm, I'm hoping he can, you know, get back to, you know, living a nice life and maybe, maybe seeing him at one of these alumni games soon. Imagine seeing a, seeing a Simmons drew Voracek uh, alumni line and, and, oh. and, 10 years in five years Claude Drew is still going to be playing let's be real <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> he's what still going to be in the league 10 years though maybe the next uh, maybe the next Flyers a uh, winter classic or something I'll, I'll come back yeah I love it yeah but yeah you mentioned the, the game on Monday night it was a, a back and forth game with the Coyotes you know they they, they started the game really hot a few a few good uh good shifts there but 
credit to uh, Vedmalka in net, keeping him out. Uh, Matt Dumba yeah. scores on a slap shot from the point on a screen after the Flyers were unable to clear. I think Lixell missed the puck there in the mm-hmm. in the slot. Someone else had a chance before that. Yeah, second period, another back and forth again. Flyers tied it up with the Frost penalty shot. Uh, Matthias Michelli scored from behind the net. I I I, I want to I want to stop there and discuss that Michelli goal. It was a four on four. I yeah. feel like, and this may I haven't dug deep enough into this with the film and whatnot, but I haven't been just based off looking at the numbers and whatnot. Like Jamie Drysdale's defensive play has not been great, and on that play he was very much acting like a rover, which you can't do in the defensive zone. Like he was, he was, you know, in front of the net to the right. And he just coasted out to, to the, to the top of the slot, which caused Sanheim to, you know, go over and slide down, try to block a pass. And then Couturier goes back to try to get Michelli. And then Couturier tries to go for the puck and Michelli gets it behind the net and Michelli banks it in. So I feel like Couturier definitely had another, another misstep there, which we didn't mention in the cracking game, how he had, mm-hmm. he had the turnover and Torch gave him an earful and then he scored the, the game winner. And Torch said that was, a, that was a big F you to him there. So I don't know. I, I love Couturier, but a, a few, a few tough uh, defensive plays recently. Yeah. And also in the Arizona game, he got demoted. I think he was like staring the third, fourth line, uh, whatever combination they were running <clears throat> after Lexell was no longer playing. Um, he, I don't know if that was the blunder that led to his demotion, um, but yeah, Coots is not, he's not looked great lately and they really need him to be good. And they especially are, are going to need him to be good on Thursday because nobody else is going to stop Austin Matthews if Sean Couturier can't. Yeah. I mean, Couturier has been, been the first line center. He's definitely been playing. I mean, he's playing admirably coming back from, from obviously missing almost two years, but yeah, he's, what is he? He's got to, got to be averaging probably around 20 minutes a night, if not more, like he's playing big minutes against, against good competition. He's playing in all situations on the power play penalty kill. So yeah, the flyers need someone to help him out. Um, obviously Scott Lawton is possible there. And I, I like the look of the Kate's Forster and who's the third guy on that line. Was that, that is that Lawton there? No, Paling maybe? Paling or, or... Well, it, it, Forrester wasn't in yet. Uh, yeah, no, I, I was saying Saturday night. I, th- I think it was oh, on Kate's, Saturday night. Yeah, I think it was Kate's Paling Forrester. Those are Forrester. all good good, good two-way players, good all good all defensive players. So I could see them lining up against a, a top line. But if Forrester's out, I mean, he's, it looks like he might be missing, you know, who knows how much time with, with that foot injury, hopefully not too mm-hmm. long. But... Yeah, the Flyers are going to need some of that that uh, bottom of the bottom of the lineup to, to step up defensively and offensively. It would also help if they are going to run eleven seven if they actually played eleven forwards. Like, <clears throat> you know, I, I get I get why they sat Lixell, but if you're running a ten forward, ten forwards, seven defensemen, that's that's a bit of a risk, and that's asking a lot of your, uh, you know, top line guys to carry. We're not the Avalanche running Nathan McKinnon and Mika Rantanen out 24 minutes a night. Can't we can't get away with that? Yeah, and like even on Saturday night they did go 12-6 because Ristolainen was out with an illness. But Nick mm-hmm. Delarier played five minutes. He had seven shifts. Like I can't imagine many of them came in the third period. They're like you're playing 11-6 pretty much there anyway. Like yep. I don't know what the solution is. Like I don't want them to call up Brink and him playing only like seven minutes a night. But no, like. 
I don't know. I my I I mentioned this in, in the Slack earlier this week. Like my infuriation with Nick Delorier is growing more and more as the season moves along. You know, potentially due to the, the Flyers making a playoff push here, but also just like we're seeing Zamula. I think was a healthy scratch for that game to get Delorier in. Like get Zamula in there. We like what, we, what we've seen from him. But yeah, these lineup decisions. I mean, they've worked out, so we haven't really gone too much into them to criticize them, but. Though they're going to be under the microscope here as the games get more and more important. I think the only solution is going to be deadline trades, like clearing out some people on the roster so that the players slot into where they're supposed to. Um, we'll cover the trades a little bit later, but we can finish talking about the uh, Arizona game first. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, go, go ahead. No, I was just going to come back around to Sean Walker looking mm-hmm. again. It'll be, it'll be a nice deadline bait. Um, but the Scott Lawton goal, that wraparound, that was like the third time that night that they tried a wraparound, I think. Like, it looked like they, I don't know if they were talking about it on the bench or in the locker room, but I wonder if they were like, hey, this guy's not getting across the post quick enough. We can, we can sneak one by him this way. Um, but what was really fun about that was that they called a four-minute high-sticking penalty. Mm-hmm. Lawton scored, and then they reduced it to a two-minute minor because he scored on the you know delayed penalty call. And I've never seen that happen. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's definitely rare to have happen. I, I, I think that if a penalty scored on a delayed penalty, they should still get the full penalty. I know that's a conversation for probably an off-season Ooh. thing, but I feel like that's something people have definitely brought up. Like, yeah, why is the team penalized for scoring before the power play like, like they shouldn't be they, they should they should get both get, get get the goal and get the power play like i feel like that's that's something where if they're trying to increase scoring why not well you it's probably because uh the pittsburgh penguins are just gonna put it in their own net <laughs> like they did that was against arizona too a couple weeks ago yeah uh, um but no if they do that rule i'd love to see the if the penalty kill scores Mm-hmm. shorthanded that that ends the power play i'd love to see that come around they're trying it in the uh, women's hockey league and it is a okay. lot of fun yeah i was gonna say i think i saw that somewhere i think it was the pwhl right yeah that, PWHL, that's, yep. that's great the flyers would, would be fantastic even better then they'd be so good oh <laughs> uh, yeah but other other goals in the uh arizona arizona game uh connect from lawton on that two-on-one that was a good play Beautiful. good good pass mm-hmm. by by lawton good finish by connect uh, the Kerfoot goal was on a two on a two on one. I forget who made the mistake there. It may have been Sean Walker actually in in center might have been in the neutral zone, turning it over. Um, and yeah, a two on one for Arizona there. Not too not too much Sam Merson could do. That was that, that was all he, he would give up. Like this was a game where the Flyers never led until the second half of the third period with that Scott yeah. Lawton goal. But it always felt like they were going to win this game. Like. If if they were playing a better team, they probably wouldn't have. But it's the Coyotes. The Coyotes are awful on the road. They they win at that shit stadium <laughs> at home a lot, but on the road that they lose a lot. And the Flyers, you know, poured it on in the third period. Drysdale, you know, patient play, putting the puck on net, getting the bounce. Scott Lawton on on his uh, wraparound goal. Yeah, that was the second wraparound of that shift. Noah Cates tried one like right before that. It's in the in the highlight of the goal. If you go back and watch that. And then uh, Owen Tippett finished it off with a very classy, just just nice snapshot into the empty net. You know, n- nothing that's going to cause any cause any harm to anybody. So. <laughs> big, big, big win there for the Flyers, five three to uh, 
close out the homestand. Swept the homestand 3-0. and uh, Last home game before the stadium series. I love it. Um, yeah, it's funny you say, like, it felt winnable. I think uh, in the post game, Drysdale said that Torts came in between the second and third period and said, I've got a good feeling about this one. And lo and behold, they were able to pull it out. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think I saw that, saw the quote as well. Yeah, it, it never felt like they were out of it. They were never down by more than one, and like they they bounced back nicely from from each goal, especially there in the second period, and then then in the third, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I think going back to Sam Merson here, like going through the three goals. The first one was a point shot with two or three screens in front. Not much he can yeah. do there. The Michelli goal, you'd like to see him save it, but you'd also like to see. Jamie Drysdale play his position and Sean Couturier focus on defense rather than trying to play the puck forward from his own goal line. And then Kerfoot mm-hmm. was a was an odd man rush with with poor defense. Like so Merson's yeah. looked great now. You know, we talked about him getting worn down and like everything before the break, suddenly being thrown into the spotlight because of everything happening with, with Carter Hart. But he's looking good now, and it's even more confident now knowing that Cal Peterson can go in there and win a game if you have to, because you can you can schedule it around like, okay, have Peterson, like you said, play against the Kraken off a long layoff, have him maybe play against the Blackhawks or something next week, like mm-hmm. play him against bad teams. And you can also configure your lineup to make sure you have the best combinations there for a defensive game. Yep. And it gives like when uh, Sam Erson was announced to be, he's the starter now. Uh, I think it was Briere and maybe also Tortorella. They were like, he is still a young goalie. We do not want to run him into the ground. So the fact that Peterson is at least competent makes it a lot easier to throw him out there if they need to. And it gives Erson the rest and the breaks that he needs to kind of adapt to a full NHL starters load, even if the league is moving towards tandems. But that's that's another thing. Yeah, no, I mean they they definitely are, and like the Flyers definitely have a good good pipeline of goalies that through. I mean, I'm not sure if they're going to be up for next season, but definitely in two or three years they they'll get a better picture of what they're looking at. Uh, looking ahead to the Flyers' schedule, I think we talked about it a, a few shows ago. Like the Flyers only have three or four back to backs coming up, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, one of them is next weekend, Saturday against the Rangers, and then Sunday at Pittsburgh. So. Cal Peterson is going to play one of those. So the pressure is going to be on Sam Erson and the boys to at least get, if they get one point out of those two games, I'll be happy. Yeah. I would love to see, because Jonathan Quick's in New York, right? Yeah. I would love to see it be Quick in net for the Rangers versus (laughs) Cal Peterson in net for the Flyers. The two, the two cast off Los Angeles goalies uh, going against each other in one game. Yeah, you have to wonder how how they'll play the play the goalies there because I imagine they'll want to play Urson in front of the home crowd against the Rangers, especially after like they talked about Rangers fans coming into into the Farg on, on Black Friday and taking over. So mm-hmm. that's going to be a big game for them. And it could okay. also we could see Peterson in Chicago on that Wednesday give to get him a game, give Urson the, the Saturday, and then give Peterson the Sunday in Pittsburgh, where like if you get a win, you get a win. That's great. If not. It's a back-to-back to schedule loss anyway, so it's it's not. I mean, it's the Penguins. We're going to be pissed if they lose, but like it's it's understandable if it's a, a back-to-back with with the back. What what date is that? Is that February or is that after yeah. the deadline? No, that, that's before Fe- the deadline. That, that is next next Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Oh, all right. I mean, if, unless they trade uh, Gensel before then, <laughs> which you know could happen, or Riley Smith or a couple others, because 
the Penguins' playoff hopes are kind of fading fast. But nope, never lucky that we'll still have a full Penguins team to go up against. Yeah, and I thought for some reason the, the Penguins may have also played that Saturday. But no, the Penguins play Thursday, have two days off, and then welcome the Flyers on, on a back-to-back with, with with no rest there. So that, that, that's a schedule loss. But we'll get into that you know, more next week. we got, we got yeah. more games coming up. We'll get into that. But yeah, this is uh, you know trade deadline season. This is going to be what we're talking about here for the next, uh, what, four weeks now, I believe? Up four and a half weeks or so till Friday, March 8th or March well, 9th. Before- before we go fully into the deadline stuff, uh, you mentioned the Owen Tippett empty netter being a respectable, you know, I yes. do have one question I want to pitch to you. Who on the Flyers is the most likely to just like style on someone for the empty net goal? And how do you think they would style on them? Yeah, we were having a good discussion on this in, in the Broad Street Hockey Slack, Slack group there. Like, oh, like, like, like the Michigan, you can do a Michigan. We posted a video of, like, uh, I think someone on Twitter did all the different ones. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would be, I feel like it would be someone like Connect Me, but I don't know if he would have, have the guts to do it knowing that how hot and cold Twitter Rally can be with him. I, I think I think maybe you mentioned Hathaway. I could see Hathaway just 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 slapping it in and being like, "All right, come bring it on." Like, yep. I feel like either either one of those guys would w- would be great to see. Just you know, either either do something over the top where it's like, okay, slapping it in, or like just skating it in like very calmly and to, and then like go just with a straight face back to the face off dot, ready to take ready to take the opening face or center face off. Just you know, very business like, not celebrating, no no slap shots. That sounds like a Farabee thing to do. Joel Farabee would just like slide that puck right into the <laughs> net and go right to the face off dot. I feel like that's very much his style. But yeah, I yeah. think I feel like Garnet Hathaway could just rip one and dare anyone to come after him. Because yeah, got... we we haven't seen him fight too many times this season, but anytime he has, he has just rocked like rocked his opponents. Yeah, I wonder if the, if the Leafs are going to have Ryan Reeves in the game more now. But like, it doesn't matter. He'll be on the bench. I mean, I could see him going off the bench, but that's going to be a a huge suspension, especially after what what he said this week about you know if if, if back back in my day, like he'd still be laying on. I don't think he. I don't think he's the one that said he'd still be laying on the ice, but no. someone else said that. But it's, I think it's that. Been... I, I just think that you just mentioned Ryan Reeves, and I'm like, oh, that means Nick Delorier is going to be in the lineup on Thursdays, doesn't it? Uh, I mean, on the plus side, either they're going to fight each other and both be in the box, or they're both going to be so bad that both of them are going to be on the bench. So the Leafs will be down a player just as the Flyers will be down a player. Yeah, and and it's like when Delorier played against whatever whatever team that was that also has like a, a good veteran fighter and like they fought, but it was like okay, no one got any punches in because they're both such good fighters. They're not going to like give up any shots. So which, which is that, disappointing. Was that Minnesota? I think it was. Um, I think it may no, have been. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I remember they just kind of like grabbed onto each other and were like having a staring contest for forty yes. seconds, and then they're like, "I'm tired." <laughs> and the refs were just like, "All right, all right." That um, was Minnesota. That, that, that was a uh, Pat Maroon. Yeah, so Pat two, Maroon, two, yeah. two just enforcers that yeah, vet, veteran. But Pat Maroon. Pat Maroon can actually play a little bit, or he he used to be able to play a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, he he was he was decent down there down there in Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, obviously they had Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov to do all the scoring, so he could do his little fourth line shenanigans. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, trade deadline. 
Yeah. Uh, how are you feeling uh, now? You know, after uh, last time we talked about it, it was during the break. Flyers had had five straight losses. We were like, okay, not sure what's going to happen here. Out of the break now, four straight wins. Um, how are you feeling? Do you, do you think uh, it's more confident that some people can move? Or are you, you kind of questioning if there's going to be different people moving? Uh, what are you thinking? So I still think the pending UFAs, those feel like no-brainers. If the right offer comes along, you got to move them. Um, but again, if you don't get a good offer, then you're like, well, why would we trade them? We're in a playoff position. Let's just go for it. Um, I still, I think I'm in the minority here, but I will, I would not trade Lawton or Risto at this trade deadline or Morgan Frost, but you know, Lawton and Risto have been popping up a little bit more. I I would be willing to trade Ristolainen if you can if Briere gets a deal where he's comfortable with the return. Depending on you know, they'd probably have to retain some salary, which which I know you're you're hesitant to do. I'm also kind of hesitant to do that as well. But if you can move Risto for for a decent price, even if that maybe if they move Risto, they keep Walker, which is which would be fine. But you know, I, I feel like they got to move at least a defenseman. I could see them keeping Sealer as much as much as it hurts. I, I do feel like. The only way he gets moved if it's a part of a package, either with Walker or maybe with with a Lawton or with a Hathaway or something. Mm-hmm. But Scott Lawton, I think the only way they move him this deadline, I think it's going to be like, okay, this this team was in on a center. Let's say Adam Henrique didn't get them. They 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 they're out there. They're desperate. They they want to get him. I think mm-hmm. that comes down like the final hours before the deadline. Like the Flyers yeah. aren't going to move him. Sooner, the Flyers have the leverage of, okay, we love this guy in the room. We have him under a good contract for the next few years. And, hey, we wouldn't mind keeping him to, you know, be a part of this playoff run and help lead the the, the new the new new kids here. But you could also be like, okay, if you come at me with a first-round pick plus another asset, sorry, I mean, it, it it will be sad to see Scott go. I mean, especially now that he's, he's scoring a bit. He's getting, he's getting some assists there. He's getting a lot of, a lot of praise in the locker room, praise from Torts and whatnot. But, those are the, those are the decisions, the business decisions that Tortorella has been talking about. Like it's gonna be, it's gonna suck, but if a good asset comes, you're not gonna hesitate. You, you have to do it. You can't be worried about the playoffs this year or even the next two years on with Lawton contract. Like you have to get the, those future assets to either build upon or like use to trade up in the draft. Like I feel like that's that's what you got to do. Yeah, I mean, I should qualify if the offer for any of these players is just knock your socks off, good. You, you take it. But in my mind, the very unpopular opinion, I think if you traded Risto now with retention, you'd be, um, you wouldn't be getting fair value because his contract is a problem. But as the cap goes up over the next few years, the Flyers would have to retain less on him in my head. As for Scott Lawton, I feel like he has more value as part of a package to get a better asset than just a first round pick because of the term on both of their contracts they don't have to make the decision for this deadline i think they should hold them until the off season unless someone makes just one of those knock your socks off offers for them because like i've said retaining on risto that's the second retention slot that's going to be locked up for three years that's that's that could be a problem um and as for lawton if he's a glue guy who's going to round out a contender's bottom six, he'll 
he'll still be that guy in the summer, and you might be able to package him to move up in the draft or get a better young player that a team no longer needs for their playoff push. Um, like I'll I'll just throw out the Leafs because they're on my mind right now. <laughs> Matthew Nyes or Nick Robertson are kind of important to their top nine right now as they go into the postseason. Neither of them would be... I don't think either of them would be the first choice of Toronto's return for a player like Scott Lawton or Sean Walker or Nick Steeler or a package of all of them. They need them for the playoff push. But in the offseason, well, they've either won a Stanley Cup or went out in the first round, as is the Leafs' way. And um, those players, now they have, like, the the onus is on Leafs' management to be like, okay, this team didn't work. It's not going to work. We need to shake up this roster in a big way. Then you might be able to move on one of those younger players in a way that you can't during the regular season. Yeah, I mean the the Leafs do have their first round pick this year. That is that is the one thing. But uh, as you mentioned, yeah, I think it's going to be an off season trade if the, if it would be with the Leafs either for you know Lawton. There's been talk of Ristolainen going there. Risto. They need defense Risto, yeah, to go there because they need defensemen. But like looking at their cap friendly page, like Bertuzzi, he's a pending free agent. They're not going to trade him. They need him for the playoff push. Domi is. Domi's pretty much their Scott Lawton type right now. That's kind of why Lawton may not be a good fit there. Uh, TJ Brody, his contract, $5 million, is up after this year. Uh, their goalies, Samsonoff and, and Martin Jones, combined to make $4.5 million, are both up after this year. So, yeah, this is going to be a big offseason for Toronto. You know, they, they got Tavares and, and Marner to make decisions on after next season. So I could see... I'm interested to see what happens there in Toronto after Kyle Dubas left. Like it's going to be, I think a big shakeup and I don't know exactly what's going to happen. So my favorite thing, one of my friends, he's a Leafs guy. He was like, what if we traded the flyers max Domi to make the cap work? I'm like a Domi would never (laughs) live. They would not survive in Philadelphia, man. Like that just would never happen. Um, But Brad Treleving, Ristolainen is exactly the kind of player that Treleving seems to uh, like and to target. Um, I wouldn't be... We'll see, but that that could be an off-season move for the Leafs. Like you said, they have a lot of money coming off the cap, um, but they're going to have a lot of depth positions to fill. Uh, let's see. They have... Nick Robertson is a pending RFA, so he's going to need a bridge deal. Um yeah, I think Robertson Robertson is the guy that would be moved if if the, if there was a deadline or I think offseason trade. Like I feel like he's yeah. he's not not quite like a Morgan Frost type, but a Morgan Frost type in that like he's never gotten the full great chance. And you know, it's understandable because the Leafs are, are contending, but like I feel like he's somebody like a Tippett who who could go to a, a get a change of scenery, get a chance to play consistent top six minutes and and go off a little bit. But also the Flyers have so many wingers like that that they're unsure of. Like, okay, their ceiling might be a top line guy, but like their 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 floor could be a quad A player. Like, like that's that that's the that's the issue there. But Robertson is a left wing, which the Flyers do have a distinct lack of, unless they are yeah. committed to moving like Tippett or Konechny or Forrester or, or Brink over to the to the left. Um, but I. When I think Nick Robertson, my comparison is Wade Allison because Robertson has lost so much time to injury that he's mm-hmm. never really been able to establish himself. Um, but in the minutes he has been getting this year, I think he's actually looked pretty good. His like points per 60 is actually not bad. Uh, I don't have him in front of me, but 
He has 15 points in 32 games while averaging 11 minutes a night. So yeah, that's I mean, not that's, bad. That's that's good for a bottom six guy with, with how he's been used. Yeah, he makes the most of the minutes he's given. Um, I think he's also a smaller guy, if I'm not mistaken. But five five nine, he's listed as here five on nine. his yeah. AHL page. Uh, AHL numbers not too great. 11 points in nine games. I guess that's fine. But he's just been, as you mentioned, injuries up and down. Hasn't really been able to. <laughs> find a consistent role yeah and the uh i i i like seeing small players do their thing but with denver barkey uh tearing it up with the uh london knights bobby brink alex chernick who was drafted this year the flyers are starting to like really fill up on these undersized guys that you know might be talented and skilled and be able to play but if your entire bottom six is under five ten, you might have a bit of an issue going into the playoffs. That that's that's a Danny Briere impact there. He, he loves these smaller guys, but yeah, he's he, not he, wrong. He he's not. I mean, they got a Samu down in the AHL too, thirty five points in forty five games. I mean, he, he's he's another five ten guy. You know, kind of kind of a smaller smaller player there, which which definitely works in today's NHL. But also, you you need those guys that can take up some ice and, and play and be able to play play a two way game. Sure. Yeah. You need a nice balance is really what it has to be. Yeah. So my I've my general philosophy on the trade deadline, I, I keep going back and forth. Like I thought to myself today, like, okay, if the Flyers pull a Chuck Fletcher and make no moves at the deadline, like, <laughs> oh, how no. upset are we going to be? It's like, okay, oh. I think Sean Walker is the only player that has to be moved just because the, the log jam on D, they have Drysdale, they have guys in the AHL ready to come up. I think as long as you can get at least a second round pick for him, maybe a second and a fourth, I think they do ultimately get a first for him. Uh, I think so they do too. have to move him. But like outside of that, I could see him re-signing Sealer, trademark stall for a sixth round pick, sure. But like yeah. Lawton and Risto could definitely both stay. Morgan Frost, I don't know what to make of make a Morgan Frost. I don't want to I don't want to quote unquote give up on him right now though, because he's mm-hmm. gaining confidence. He's been great, but I mean, it's definitely possible that this is just a hot streak and not like anything special. I mean, he's at 26 points, 43 games over half a point per game. So, yeah, this is what like we think he is. This is a 50 point player, good second, third line guy, but not ever going to be someone that can, you know, carry his own line or, or take over a game for, for long stretches. But he's a guy that I think if the Flyers sold, they would be selling low. having to sell at a discount because just because mm-hmm. of they've been so unsure of him in the past. And like, even if they're like, okay, we believe Frost is a second line player. Now teams are going to come and offer third line prices because that's probably what the viewpoint of it is on him around the league. I, I wouldn't trade Frost. He's got a year left. I think he's still an RFA at the end of that contract as well. Um, what do you lose by keeping him around to see what he can to still keep seeing what he can provide? it it's a rebuild you don't have to sell everyone as danny briere i think day one he was like this will not be a fire sale we've got some good players here we're not going to just trade everyone if you if you're trading morgan frost for like a fourth round pick or whatever like that that's that strikes me as a fire sale um but as far as sean walker eventually bringing back a first round pick i think you're right and I am coming around on the idea that it's Tampa Bay that's going to end up paying up 
maybe not a first round pick, but a prospect of that caliber, because with the Mikhail Sergachev injury, they really, mm-hmm. they, they need someone because it looks like Sergachev is going to be on LTIR, maybe right up to the playoffs. So they have like eight and a half million dollars of cap space to work with. Um, and then if yeah. they get to the playoffs and they've got Sergachev healthy and then Sean Walker is your third pair guy, holy shit, that's a pretty good blue line. Yeah, I think Sergachev has a broken leg or something like that. So like oh. he might even be out through the playoffs. But I, I was looking at them. The issue with them is they don't have a first round pick this year or next year. No second round pick this year either. The one guy I was kind of looking at there was, and I don't think they Isaac traded Howard. him in season. Well, no, I was looking at, oh. at a roster player. I was looking at like trade like Aristo and Lawden or or Frost for uh, Anthony Sorelli. I, I don't think they would move Sorelli, oh. but I think Sorelli could be like a, a Couturier light second line center, fill that gap. But also, yeah, as you were saying with Frost, like there's no downside to to seeing what he does this year, the rest of this year and next year. See if he can solidify himself as a top six center and you have that hole filled and just need just need a one C instead of needing to get, you know, two two centers for the for the top six. I don't think the Lightning would trade Sorelli. That would probably be more of an off season trade. And yeah, as I think, I they think need about him. It, they yeah, need they, him badly. Yeah, and th- that that's more of just like a, a video game trade. Like, okay, here here's a, oh. a, a depth center and, and a, and a and <laughs> yeah. spin for 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 uh, for a good center. But yeah, I mean, the Flyers are, are going to need to figure out what they got down the middle. And you know, I, I think Walker is likely to go Sealer, hopefully, but it's it's pointing more towards not. And honestly, like Sealer, you're not going to get more than a fourth or fifth round pick anyway. Which at that point, just keep him. Whatever. He, he's a He's, he's fun to watch. Yeah, own rental. Yeah, exactly. And th- that that's the thing about I, I wrote this a few months ago on BroadStreetHockey.com. Like it's uh, subscribe and read. Yeah, yeah. The, the good thing about the rebuild is like you have leverage on your side. If the Flyers were tanking, teams would be like, okay, I'll give you a second round pick for Sean Walker. What are you gonna do? Just keep them for the rest of the season and just not play the kids? Like, but now they're like, okay, Briere's like, okay, I want a first round pick for this guy. If not, I'll keep them. Get this, give, this, give these kids some some playoff experience, maybe. But yeah, Walker Walker has to go. Sealer and Stall probably trade one of them. Probably Stall for like a fifth or sixth round pick. Mm-hmm. But I I I am coming around to the idea of, of trading Rustalina. I think he is somebody that is going to be sought off sought after. He he has that playoff style hockey, but also maybe that is an off season move because the Flyers yeah. can make the playoffs. The Flyers can showcase him in the playoff Risto playoff Risto He's and then here. sell him high in the off season. I think the off season is, is going to be when Briere works his magic. I mean, with these guys that are going to figure out, okay, this is the core group of, you know, six to eight forwards. We want to move forward with, this is the core four to five defensemen. Let's mm-hmm. see what we can move around with these other guys to get other younger players or, position better at certain positions or just draft picks or or just to upgrade draft picks and, and get yep. get better uh, positions no i fully i i'm not opposed to trading risto or lawton but i i do feel like those would be you'd be able to do a little bit better in the off season uh just because of the cap and because of you know teams would be more willing to trade roster players young roster players that aren't actively contributing to their playoff push um I'm surprised you want Sorelli. I'm a little bit high on Noah Cates, and I think Noah Cates might actually just be the Flyers version of Anthony Sorelli if he gets there. Um, but for the trade deadline, I I wrote about this too. 
that, like you said, the Flyers are in a playoff position. Most rebuilding teams aren't. My, my thought is just that the rest of the league has been waiting for the other shoe to drop. They know that the Flyers are rebuilding. They know that they're going to be sellers at the trade deadline. And they're like, eh, they're in the playoff picture now, but they're just going to collapse and be out of it. And we'll be able to just take their players for, for nothing because they won't have any value to the team through March and April. Well, that shoe hasn't dropped yet. And good players on good teams don't go for chump change. So if any of these teams want something from Danny Briere, they're going to have to pay up. And I think Briere is probably playing a bit of a game of chicken with these opposing GMs right now. And that he is a rookie. This is his first trade deadline. And the other GMs are just waiting for him to blink first. But he's just like, um, this is the price. If you don't meet it, that's that. No deal. And I, I, I hope Keith Jones, who's been around this long enough and knows all of these GMs and is on good terms with everybody, is like, Danny, I know this guy. He'll he'll come around. <laughs> Don't back down. Just hold your own. He'll come around in in uh, short order. <clears throat> yeah, I I completely agree with it. I think that that is another benefit of having you know two guys kind of with hopefully equalish power at the helm. It's like okay, if if one guy is getting frustrated with this team, it's like other guy be like okay, you know what? We got we got time. We can do this. They're still along that same path. And I also completely agree with Noah Cates. I, I love Noah Cates. I think he's going to be a big part of the Flyers' future. You know, maybe he'll end up as a third-line player. Maybe he can work his way up to, into the top six. But I think either way, he's definitely somebody that can fill that Lawton role, can eventually you know, not fill the Couturier role as a top-line center, but like good PKer, good, good two-way player, and you definitely need um, a lot of those. So what do you think the fan base reaction would be if the Flyers don't trade Walker? Like if they only move oh. like stall for a fifth round pick. I feel oh like it would be, boy. it would just be pitchforks and, and torches just going towards the flag. I think, but like, yeah, it could go either way. I think in, and I think in the moment, everybody would just be like, what the fuck, Danny? We trusted you. You said this was a rebuild. What are you doing? <laughs> But if the Flyers get into the playoffs and win around, they might be like, well, maybe, maybe this was the okay decision to make. Um, but, oof. So you're saying they don't trade Sean Walker. The only move they make is like Mark Stahl for a fifth round pick. Yeah, I mean. More or less. Yeah. Yeah, they, I, I think I'd be pissed off too. I'd be kind of mad. Like, you've got these valuable assets. Why aren't you selling them? Yeah, like, like I know there's there's been this big debate about like oh should the Flyers be sellers should the Flyers make a make a playoff push but I mean they could they can do both they, they can tra- they can exactly. trade Walker they they can move up some guys they can even trade you know Ristolainen or or Lawton um, yeah so they 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 have they have options and that's always important it gives you more leverage going into the deadline when trying to you know raise up prices and also it is a seller's market like we we've seen mm-hmm. there's not a lot of great players out there. So if the, if the Flyers can, you know, have, they have Scott Lawton getting hot right now, as long as Sean Walker can not completely shoot the bet on defense, he's still going to be a valuable piece for some teams looking for defensemen, which teams always need. So, yeah, yeah, they, they, ha- they have to trade Walker. You know, hopefully they're able to, you know, get a good trade for somebody else too. But I'd be satisfied if it's just, if it's just like Walker for a first. Sure. I mean, it, it's got to be something, I, I think, is what it really is. Um, and... I've I've probably talked about this before, but like the Jamie Drysdale trade, in a certain light, you can view that as a deadline acquisition. 
they got a rostered right shot defenseman with serious power play upside and top pair potential. It builds for the future and it helps them right now. And especially after that goal on Monday where he got a bit of a lucky bounce and kind of, we talked about his uh, rough defensive work, but you know, you see the talent, you see the skill and you're like, damn, this guy could be awesome. If they make a deadline trade where, I don't know, they trade Sean Walker for like a 20-year-old kid on the AHL who just hasn't found a roster spot, similar to how Owen Tippett was, you know, languishing uh, in the AHL for the Florida Panthers. It helps the Flyers in the long term because now they have a prospect with a high ceiling. And it helps them in the short term because they've got someone talented enough to plug into the roster and help them in a playoff push. I'd be okay with that. If they, like, the trades at the deadline don't have to be draft picks exclusively. They're, the Flyers have a bit more flexibility than other rebuilding teams, again, because they are so competitive. You look at Chicago, what are they going to do with the player that helps them in the short term? Nothing. They're not going to the playoffs for like another couple of years. They need to build around Connor Bedard. Um, the Ducks, they're way out of it now. But the Flyers, if they can hang around in it, adding a young player who helps them both now and in the future I'd be okay with that if that was the return instead of just a first round pick. Yeah, I think kind of exactly what you described is Nick Robertson. Like, I, I yeah. wouldn't, I, I don't know if, I don't know if like, a, I don't know if the Leafs would do this, but like, I think a Robertson for maybe not Robertson for Walker because I don't know if Robertson is the value of a first round pick and the fact that the Flyers would probably want a first round pick because that lines up better with. With their rebuild, Robertson's only still only twenty two, so I guess he'd be he'd be twenty five um, when when Michkov comes over. So that's not too bad there. But yeah, I think the Flyers most importantly just they just need to stockpile some more picks, and they already have quite a few this year. They have a first of their own, and the Panthers' first round pick. They have their own second round pick from J. O'Brien. Not yeah. overall. <laughs> of course, they traded away their actual pick for Tony D'Angelo. Uh, they do have the Columbus second either this year or next. Depending, it's probably on next. Blues. Yeah, it's, it's probably, probably going to be next. But you get a first for Walker, or like a second and a second and a fourth. Like you're able to combine them and move up at the draft to make sure you get the players that you want. I, I feel like sure. I, I trust Briere to to be able to do that. I do too. Um, he hasn't shown me any reason to believe he can't do it you know so mm-hmm. that's 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 the good news um but i do have a question for you this is a little bit off the topic of the uh the trade deadline but uh danny briere former flyer now the gm who on this current flyers roster do you think has the best shot of becoming flyers general manager in like 20 years oh uh, let me let me give a quick look at this um I could see, I could see a Scott Lawton type. I think, I think that's the first. Ooh. I think that's one of the few players who, with all due respect to all of them, exude some sort of hockey intelligence in terms of putting together a roster. Um, yeah, and and look, looking else, Couturier maybe. I know his dad is his dad a GM for for some team. I believe. Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah. <clears throat> Silva, Sylvain Couturier, yeah, he was the GM of a QMJHL team. Uh, I think Couturier, Couturier or Lawton would be be my two picks. Uh, who do you think? I'd probably say Coots is up there. Um, maybe further down the road, I wonder if Joel Farabee would be uh, an interesting choice for GM. And it just, the way he's been playing lately, this 
he's always been in the right spot. He's making great plays. And I he he kind of hams up the dumb hockey player image, you know? <laughs> he kind of reminds me of almost like a Keith Jones in that sense. Like, yeah, I'm just a dumb hockey player. But he's actually really, really, like, he sees the game really well. Um, I was and- just going to say I could see Farabee as like a Keith Jones type. Just put some glasses <laughs> yeah. on him. It'll, yeah. it'll, it'll, be a, it'll be a president of hockey ops in, in no time. Oh, man. Uh, GM Sean Couturier and President Joel Farabee. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first. Yeah. I, I do think there may be legit some legitimacy to Brian Boucher becoming moving to the front office Ooh. at some point. I don't know if he would give up his broadcasting gig, but he's always so intelligent on the broadcasts, both for the Flyers and for the national game. So, like, I, I don't know if that's something he would want to do in, in his future, but, like, I feel like he definitely has the makings of it. God, I love having a goalie as like your color commentator because he'll he'll start talking about stuff that Erson is doing or Peterson or whatever the opposing goaltender is doing, and I'm like, wow, I never would have heard this stuff before. <laughs> it's just a totally different approach to the game that we we don't get to see or we don't get to hear as much because goalies are weird and they don't usually present themselves well in like that kind of a a role. Not everyone can be Henrik Lindquist, you know. Yeah, and it's like catchers in baseball. Catchers are always, always made great, great managers, great coaches. So you know, it's, it's that different perspective of seeing the game from from that angle. General manager Cal Peterson. <laughs> hey, they're, they're still paying Briz. Uh, Briz is true. Briz's kid is an NHL draft eligible there this year. You know, maybe no bring shit. him, bring him in as a as a intergalactic scout and, and uh, get, get his child in there. Universe is humongous, big. Uh, is he a goalie too? Is Briz's kid a goalie? Yes, I believe so. Oh. Of course. Have you uh, have you gone back and watched any of his his, his clips from uh, from twenty four seven or even twenty four seven in general? Oh God, I think I don't think I've watched them myself, but my brother has quoted them to me a couple times. One is like the universe is humongous, big. Yes. Or uh, is only one game? Why you have to be mad? <laughs> and uh, I think there's like an interview between him and Laviolette, maybe where Laviolette's like, "We block shots on this team," and Briz is like. I like to see the puck so I can stop it. Laviolette's like, <laughs> no, we block shots. And he's like, okay, I don't stop puck. <laughs> like, it's just, or something like that. Yeah, no, there, there's a great video called Risky Brisness, the best of Ilya Brzezgalov <laughs> no. on YouTube. It was oh, actually, no. it was actually made by my, uh, my college roommate, one of my, one of my best friends who now works wow. for the NHL in their video department. So if you want to go check that out, that that's great. That's recommended viewing for, Anybody, even if you've, you've watched it before, go go watch it. That, that, that that's fantastic stuff. Hey, I need my Flyers history lesson, so that that can be my uh, that can be well, my Flyers history. I'll start making up the uh, the syllabus for the off season there. Hey, you know I got a lot to catch up on. Uh, like uh, I think we started early in the show. You were talking about Hackstall, and I'm like, I wasn't even here for the Hackstall years. Uh, I never had to watch Dave Hackstall coach a Flyers hockey game. Yeah, there was hope for Hackstall, you know, uh, after you know coming in from college, having having history of developing kids, and it's working somewhat in Seattle. But like his, his handling of of some young kids, most notably Travis Konechny, was um, was infuriating at times. And Lindblom, yes, and Lindblom. I, I always hear about how on Hackstall's last game he he benched Lindblom to play Yori Laterra, <laughs> like oh before God, he was yes. fired. Yori, think... Yori Laterra, what a name! Oh God! And are you you're aware of Yuri Laterra's like um, trouble with the law? No. Oh God! I, I believe it was 
I'm looking it up now just so I don't I don't misquote it because it is um, yes he was convicted in a Finnish drug case for a, a, a cocaine ring is that wow. was in 2019. Wow. Yes. God. So, yeah. The, the things these unassuming your your hockey players do it's just uh, you find out after the fact. Man, that's that's. Uh, I'm trying to come up with a like pun for Laterra and cocaine, but it's just it's not coming to me right now. I'll workshop it. All right. All right. Uh, look, looking ahead here, Flyers have two days off now here today on Tuesday, and then again on Wednesday before going up to Toronto on Thursday, and of course the Stadium Series game in uh, Met- MetLife Stadium on Saturday against the Devils, and then next Wednesday uh, in Chicago, apparently Connor Bedard could be back next week, so that could Ooh. be. Connor Bernard coming back, but uh, which you know would be exciting to see, but also that gives the, the Blackhawks a chance of winning. So hopefully not. But uh, what are you thinking about these these upcoming games here? You mentioned you were writing the uh, Leafs preview. I am. Um, I mean, I don't think it's been officially announced, but Morgan Riley is probably going to be suspended for oh yeah some number of games. So I imagine he won't be playing. Um, the Leafs are top heavy, as we all know. Nylander has been having a great season. Parlayed that into a just tremendous mm-hmm. extension. Uh, Austin Matthews, he's probably going to win the Richard again. Uh, Mitch Marner has been good, but his defensive impact hasn't been quite to the level that you know people are accustomed to seeing him. Um, and then, of course, Ryan Reeves is a black hole of like offense, and just just you know it's not working out for him. Um, and they've struggled with their goalies. Uh, Ilya Samsonov was real bad until he got sent back down to the AHL for a couple games. Mm-hmm. Um, Martin Jones kind of saved their season. Joseph Wall was really good, but he's had a high ankle sprain in December and is not anywhere near ready. With Riley out, their blue line is weaker and their goalies are not good. If the Flyers can set themselves up in the uh, Leafs zone, and just blast away at whoever's in net, they should have like a, they should just have a pretty, you know, they should be able to do something with that. But um, to do that, they have to keep Austin Matthews and co out of their own end, which is going to be quite the challenge if Sean Couturier is not, uh, not playing at his uh, selkie level. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they definitely are top heavy. Having Riley out is going to even hurt their defensive depth even more. Like, like you look mm-hmm. at this game as like, okay, the Flyers have more depth. They should be able to kind of grind them down and win and win battles and hopefully win more shifts than they lose. But as we saw against the Avalanche and against the Lightning, like the teams that have one line, sometimes that one line just, just takes over the game. And the Flyers can't make up for it. Uh, Especially on the power some- play. Especially yeah. on the power play, that that they've got to be real careful with their penalties. Hopefully, Scott Lawn doesn't go back to his boneheaded penalties in this one. Yeah, and yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Martin Jones here in a revenge mm-hmm. game. Samsonov Sant- was better; he's allowed seven goals over his past two games now against the Islanders. Stars. Martin mm-hmm. Jones has been shockingly decent, but he hasn't been good either. He, he allowed four against Ottawa uh, on Saturday. So. <laughs> yeah, and then one empty netter. Oh, baby. Um, <laughs> so that's Toronto. New Jersey, I think they just won last night over the Kraken as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're, they're still nipping at the Flyers' heels. They, I don't know if they're going to make it to a wild card spot. The Red Wings have looked real good again, and the other wild card in the East is the Leafs. 
So honestly, if the Flyers beat the Leafs, that opens the door for like New Jersey and the Islanders to uh, maybe get in and take a wild card spot. Um, I think I think everyone on the Devils is healthy now. Jack Hughes is back. Mm-hmm. Uh, he back. Um, Timo Meyer is back, but is he's been underwhelming. I don't know what's going on with him. Yeah, yeah. That, people thought last year that was going to be like the big thing to put him over the hump, but like he has not lived up to what people thought he'd be. I, I wonder if he's been injured all season, or like he had the Joel Farabee situation or something, like where mm-hmm. he was injured during the off season, couldn't pre- couldn't prepare, couldn't train, cost him a lot of like you know a lot of his skill this season, and then he was injured again. I I don't know, maybe. Maybe this year is just a write-off for him. Jersey's big problem has been goaltending. Um, yeah, they, who baby, they they really they really punted on that, um, and they'll need to do something, if not at the deadline this off season, because Vitek Vanacek ain't it. Akira Schmid, maybe one day, and Nico Dawes really. I mm, mm, I don't think so, man. I don't think so. Nico Dawes. Deco Nas. <laughs> um, and then Dougie Hamilton's out. And I didn't think yeah. they'd miss him that much because Luke Hughes. Yeah, it's Luke, Luke Hughes. There's so many Hughes. Yeah, Nemich has out, outplayed good. him as being, a, as being a rookie defenseman. Yeah, and Nemich has been fucking awesome too. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought those two would be enough to uh, replace Dougie Hamilton. But for all the offense they bring, I guess they give it back defensively and the goaltending is just not good enough to... Mm-hmm carry some rookie defensemen um yeah they're and also Chicago, missing siegenthaler yeah. as well on defense that's like two of their oh. top defensemen there yeah and, and you mentioned yeah their, their goaltending has been awful but the more that comes out about this jacob markstrom thing the more i'm convinced they eventually get something done because apparently it was like there was some salary cap issues someone reported today that he waived his no trade trade clause like they went into Whoa. him to see if he he would he would waive it for the devil so i could very easily see the devils you know moving moving out somebody getting some uh getting some cap space and, and getting markstrom in there in which case the devils are very dangerous i believe if they get God, markstrom and they, they have Hughes, they have Hughes healthy i think they 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 definitely i, I think the, i think the red wings are kind of frauds I, I think the devils can at least catch them i I tend to agree because again, the Red Wings goaltending. They have a what is it? A rotation of Alex Lyon, uh, James Reimer, and, and Vili uh, Husso. That's who it is. Yeah, uh, all of these old St. Louis Blues: David Perron, Vili Husso, Jake Wallman. Yeah. Um, but no, I I feel like New Jersey could go on a run here at the end mm-hmm. if that Markstrom deal comes through. Oh baby, they're dangerous. Um, yeah, and then who's last? Chicago. That Chicago game, I think, is the last non-Eastern time zone game that the Flyers are playing this season. I think that that one starts at 8 p.m. Maybe, and after that, they are all like 7 p.m. starts or afternoon starts from there on out. 7:30. It starts at 7:30. Yeah. So you that's get, nice. You gotta get the 30 in there for the 30-minute pregame on, on TNT. Truth. Uh, oh, it's oh, is it one of the TNT games? Yeah. Oh, Wednesday. Yeah, okay. Fine. I'll deal with that. Um, but no, so no more Flyers after dark after that one. No, th- thankfully, yeah. Just just uh, another, I think another 7.30 in, in March for an ESPN game. But yeah, that, that's, uh, that's the final game in the outside of the East, Eastern Conference. 
uh, yeah. Eastern time zone there. So uh, what, what do you think? I mean, we'll record probably before Saturday's game, definitely before Wednesday's game. But what do yeah. you think uh, against the Leafs and Devils? You think, think two points, three points, or four points? Or less oh. than that? If, if it's less than that, I'm going to be disappointed. Um, I think they take advantage. Well, I think it depends how the Leafs fare tonight. They have St. Louis. Um, if the Leafs lose again, one of two things is going to happen. They're going to be weak again, especially without Morgan Riley. Mm-hmm. And the other option is they come out absolutely on a just on a heater and take the Flyers apart. Um, I think oh, I think the Flyers can do it. They're going to come in with two days of rest, maybe a practice. I think the Flyers can beat the Leafs. I think they're going to lose in overtime to Jersey, so three points. I, I was also going three points, but the opposite. I think I think the Leafs are going to somehow force overtime, and then obviously they have more skill. But I think I think the Flyers get it done against the Devils here. I I, really? I need them to get it done on Saturday night. What are the Flyers' record in uh, outdoor games? Um, not oh. good. <laughs> not good. They, they right? Lost, they lost the Winter Classic in Boston. They lost the Winter Classic at Citizens Bank Park. Uh, they lost the Stadium Series in Pittsburgh. They lost the Lake Tahoe game. They won mm-hmm. the stadium series at the link. And I think that's it. Yeah. I the Lake Lake Tahoe game was a complete joke though. But uh, that was I'm, awful. I'm done ranting about that. I half the half the team was missing with COVID. Yeah, they, um, who was who was the defenseman they had playing forward? There were like two defensemen playing forward. Brent, well, no, Justin not, Braun? Not, Mark Mark Friedman. They had Mark Friedman playing forward. And Justin uh, Braun. Um, no? Did they they may have had him. I don't know. I think Kevin Hayes was the one C in this game too. Like it was, it was yeah. not a pretty sight. I will say about the Jersey game, at the beginning of the season when they announced that matchup, everyone was like, "Oh, great! The Devils just get to steamroll the Flyers mm-hmm. in a completely irrelevant game as the Flyers are finishing bottom five in the standings." But now it's a game that actually has playoff implications. Who would have guessed? I'm just going to run through the Flyers roster here for that Lake Tahoe game in alphabetical oh. order: forwards, okay. Andy Andrioff. Uh, Nicholas Albuquerque, Connor Bunnerbin, Sean Couturier, Joel Farabee, Kevin Hayes, Sam Morin played left wing. Oh. This was during that season. They were <laughs> they were experimenting with that. Uh, Nolan oh. Patrick was there for that game. Wow. Raffle, Max and Sushko, JVR had a goal and two assists. And then quote unquote defensemen, they had two, at least two of these guys playing forward: uh, Mark Friedman, Gustav Bear, Eric Gustafsson, Robert Haig, Phil Myers, Ivan Provorov, and Travis Sanheim. You had Carter Hart playing the first two periods, allowing six goals. And then Brian Elliott, the third, allowing one. Wow. That was That's certainly crazy. a list of some names. Uh, those crazy. were some guys there. Those were some guys. <laughs> those were some guys. That was, that was a taxi squad right there, man. That's uh, yeah, damn. Okay. Well, hopefully we, we have a little bit better roster luck. Hopefully Typho is back for that. And yeah. um, maybe even Risto. Maybe they just leave Risto in Toronto. Hopefully. Hopefully, Hopefully they end up a good deal for him. For Matthew Nyes. I'll take that trade any day. I don't think they're trading Nyes. They might trade Robertson plus, plus something for him, though. Mm-hmm. I want Nyes. Please. <laughs> Please, Toronto. <laughs> uh, all right. That's going to about do it for us here. Make sure you are subscribed to the Broad Street Hockey Podcast on Apple and Spotify. Leave us a five-star rating and review. We don't have many of them on there. So as we get this going back up here again, love to see those to help 
grow the show. Make sure you guys also check out the Fly Guys, Fly Perbly. I believe Fly Perbly is also recording here on Tuesday. So you're going to have a bunch of Flyers content to listen to in your oh, baby there. Uh, make sure you read BrosseryHockey.com. Good stuff on there. Subscribe. Uh, if you're in the $10 tier, make sure you get in the Discord. Been some good, uh, good, good conversations in there. So hopefully that, that that picks up. Hopefully we've been we've been bantering around doing some sort of live chats, either for playoff games if they get there, or maybe just something in the voice channel. So we'll, we'll get something going there for you guys. Make sure you guys uh, join up there. And uh, Joe, where can the people find you? They can find me at uh, JF Demarini on twitter.com which well x but i just switched over to the tab and the url is still twitter.com slash home so i guess it's only changed a little bit yeah it's it's twitter.com you can follow me there at r gilbert sop uh i am gonna try to get on blue sky more but like whenever i go on blue sky it's just no one's on there. I'm not sure what the backup to Twitter is, but it's just Twitter for now. But we, we got to figure out a, a good backup there. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, all right. Until next time. Thanks, thanks for listening. everyone. See ya. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.